It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Kat Timp. I'm Bill Hemmer. I'm Harris Faulkner. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, April 15th, 2022. I'm Chris Foster. The Brooklyn subway shooting suspects in custody. A lot of criminals in New York and other cities, though, are not, and crime is up. When I was police commissioner, it was pretty clear. If you committed a crime, everything from jumping over a subway turnstile to using a gun, you're going to be apprehended, and you're going to go to Rikers, and then you're going to go to jail. All of that over the last seven years has disappeared. We speak with former NYPD Commissioner Howard Safer. I'm Lisa Brady. With so much suffering in the world, it's not easy to keep the faith. But sometimes inspiration shines through. People lose hope and they lose faith and they and they start to, to fall into despair. I'm praying that those are the people that watch this special or read this book or any of my books and find hope because God loves them. We speak with Kathy Lee Gifford. And I'm Robert Jeffress. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. Now in custody, facing federal terrorism charges, the man accused of throwing smoke bombs and shooting 10 people, somehow killing none, on a subway train in Brooklyn, New York. Mayor Eric Adams. I want to thank everyday New Yorkers who called in tips, who responded those passengers who were injured. Frank James was caught about 30 hours after the attack. And if convicted, he will face a sentence of up to life imprisonment. Breon Peace, U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of New York. James called a tip line to report his location the day after getting away. The fact is, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of people running through a subway station. Unfortunately, but not surprising, the MTA cameras didn't work, so they weren't able to track him. And, you know, the Crime Stoppers worked both for him and for citizens. Howard Safer, former New York City Police Commissioner. There's a crime stoppers unit at one police plaza. It it simultaneously gets on the dispatch channel as well, and they can dispatch almost instantaneously. It, it, it's like any emergency call. But if somebody calls up and says, I'm Frank James, I'm, you're looking for me, <laughs> yeah. that'll get their attention immediately. <laughs> well, you, mentioned the, you mentioned the cameras and the station. Um, some other criticisms that I'm not sure would have stopped the attack or gotten him caught any faster, but address them for me from your perspective. Um, the, the cameras there, um, not a not a police issue, but uh, an MTA issue. Uh, he was able to get away. Well, and, yeah, go ahead. I'm pretty familiar with MTA uh, technology from a number of years ago. In fact, I was asked to look at it, and it ended up in a giant lawsuit between the original integrator who had a $600 million contract with the MTA and ended up doing all kinds of bad things relative to the way the cameras work and the way they transmit it. I don't know what's happened over more recently, but apparently it's still an issue. I'm under, I was always under the impression as a civilian that especially after nine 11 and, you know, from watching TV and movies that there's this, you know, this crazy ring and someplace where, you know, facial technology just captures every New Yorker everywhere they are in the city and that, um, you know, police can just swoop down on anybody at any time. But I guess I'm I guess it's not there yet. Well, I will I will tell you that externally what's used by the NYPD uh, works very well. Uh, I can't comment beyond what I just said uh, on the cameras in the subways. There's also all kinds of transmission issues uh, because of where they are. 
But uh, again, I was not at all surprised that the cameras didn't work. It's been a perpetual issue with the MTA. Yeah. And he was able once he well, first he got out of there on, on another train across the tracks. Obviously, they didn't want to freeze those trains. They were using them to get people out of the chaos. Uh, and then he yep. was at least for a while able to just kind of walk around the East Village in Manhattan unbothered. Well, he did. But, you know, uh, there was never any doubt in my mind that the NYPD would get him in within a day or so. Yeah. I mean, this was not a master criminal. He, <laughs> he, he left all kinds of identifying things uh, at the crime scene. And you know, it was just a, a matter of time before they got him. Yeah. Another piece of nice detective work helped by another citizen. Uh, they found this car key at the scene. And they pretty quickly quickly linked it to this abandoned U-Haul that was uh, called in by by a, by a helpful tip. Yep, which he, again, not a master criminal, which he paid for with a credit card. Right, with his name on it. Um, with his name on it. Yeah. Um, this subway attack doesn't appear to be directly related to the rise in street crime in the city. Other than other than murders, pretty much everything is up from a year ago. Um is it that some of is some of that just that there's more people out and about with uh, with uh, COVID restrictions lower, or no. is there is there some explanation in your mind of why crime is up otherwise in the city and other cities? Well, there's a very very simple explanation in my mind, at least. Uh, we had eight years of a mayor who was more interested in victims than in criminals, and with the bail reform laws, with the emptying of the jails. Uh, with the defunding of police and the de- de- demonization of police, uh, you have created an atmosphere where criminals are not afraid to commit crimes. You know, when I was police commissioner, it was pretty clear if you committed a crime, everything from jumping over a subway turnstile uh, to using a gun, you're going to be apprehended and you're going to go to Rikers and then you're going to go to jail. Yeah. All of that over the last seven years has disappeared. And unfortunately, it's going to take Mayor Adams. And I'm hopeful uh, that he'll start turning it around. But you can't undo seven or eight years in a couple of months. Is there a balance, um, justice-wise, socioeconomically, and, and just resource-wise, resource-wise, is there a balance between maybe bail reform going too far and, and, and a balance between giving poor people the same justice system and, and so people aren't in Rikers or pleading guilty to something they may or may not have done just because they can't afford the bail? And, 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 and letting repeat criminals off the street. Is there something better? Is there a better way that you see? Yeah, sure, there's a balance. There's a balance if somebody commits a, is a first offender and isn't a danger to the community. The judges should have the discretion, and they did, to let that person out. Uh, th- there's also a proportion of the criminal system uh, that that's their job. They commit crimes. And those are the people who need to be incarcerated and off the street. That has not happened for eight years. And that's unfortunate. And that's why, you know, there used to be 60,000 car thefts in New York City. When I left, I think there were 9,000. I think we're heading in the direction of 60,000 again. And, you know, shootings are way up. And I have always said that a shooting is a homicide with with bad aim. Yeah. So, you know, we, we unfortunately have a situation in New York where, at least at this point, criminals think they can get away with things. Something, Mayor, something else Mayor Adams has been trying to do is uh, take care of uh, the homeless problem, I guess, for lack of a better thing to call it. Um, he's been trying to get these encampments off the streets. It's not as bad as I remember from when you were commissioner and, and, and even especially before that in the early 90s. But it is certainly more of a problem than it was 
I don't know, four or five years ago, the number of homeless people, maybe the belligerence of homeless people, a lot of these people refuse to go to shelters. Talk about homelessness a little from a police perspective. I assume most officers don't necessarily want this to be their problem unless there's you know a greater crime committed. No, but you may not recall, but I actually created a homeless outreach unit of 100 police officers specially trained to give assistance to the homeless to understand their needs, but most importantly, to get them off the street. And if they didn't want to get off the street, we made them get off the street. And I think that's the right thing to do, because sometimes, unfortunately, these people, these people have mental issues, which is not in their interest. And we don't want to see people freezing on the street. We don't want to see people assaulting people on the street. Homelessness is, is a serious issue. And we paid a lot of attention to it and we reduced it significantly. That's all gone. Um, this isn't your uh, not, not your city, but the Los Angeles Police Department, uh, just broadening this out, says street gangs, 17 of them in this case, have been getting into these coordinated follow-home robberies, they're calling them, in, in rich neighborhoods where you follow people home and then rob them once they get there and they're off, you know, they're sort of out of the public eye. In the last year or so, we've also been hearing a lot more about these smash and grab robberies where a bunch of people overwhelm a high-end store and just grab everything they can. Is this all something new? Is there some evolving criminal, criminal strategy here or is it just something we're hearing, hearing about more? No, it's an evolving criminal strategy that's a reaction to the lack of effective and assertive law enforcement, the lack of district attorneys charging people with the right crimes, and the lack of putting people in jail after they commit a crime with high bail if it's a violent crime. You know, the Black Lives Matter, Antifa, the defund police movement have all sent signals, and even our president has come out in favor of some of these things, although he's turned around recently. You know, you send that message. Criminals listen to what law enforcement is doing. And if they think that law enforcement is going to be ineffective, they're going to commit more crimes. The reason we reduced homicides the way we did when I was commissioner and Commissioner Kelly, who was commissioner, Commissioner Bratton, was because criminals knew if they carried a gun on the street, the probability is they were going to get arrested. So they stopped carrying their guns on the street. They knew if they jumped over uh, turnstile, they were going to get arrested. So they stopped jumping over turnstiles. All of that went away under the de Blasio administration. Is there a problem on the other end with now with recruitment and retention? And if the atmosphere is so much worse, and in some cases the danger may be worse, is it harder to keep good cops and attract good cops? And maybe, and then the knock on effect being that the guys who are there, the men and women who are sticking around, maybe aren't uh, always the best. Well, you know, you make a good point with the demonization of law enforcement. It has become very hard to recruit qualified candidates. Retirements are at the highest level that they've been for as long as I can remember. And why would somebody want to be a police officer and be videotaped doing whatever he does at a relatively low salary and everybody in the media are demonizing them? Uh, it, it, it's a terrible atmosphere, although I will tell you, I'm a little encouraged because over the last month or so, I've seen cities like Portland and Seattle uh, and Los Angeles and New York suddenly change their tune on defunding police because they've seen crime go through the roof. And the fact is they're finally realizing something that I've known all, all along, which is effective policing matters. And if you don't have effective police Crime is going to go off the charts, and that's what we're seeing. And it's not going to turn around in one day. It's going to take 
a concerted effort to get back to doing the things that prevent criminals from committing crimes. Howard Safer, uh, chairman of Safer Intelligence and Security in the private sector, now former NY, uh, New York City Police Commissioner and Fire Commissioner as well, uh, with the DA, U.S. Marshals Service before that. So uh, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, Howard Safer, thanks. Good to be with you. News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. This is Robert Jeffress with your Fox News commentary. Coming up. Fans know that Kathy Lee Gifford has never been shy about expressing her faith. But that's only a hint of what happens behind the scenes. Conversations, the longtime TV host and four-time Emmy winner, is now sharing in a Fox Nation series, The Jesus I Know. The guests are from a variety of faiths and backgrounds, from Patty Millette, Justin Bieber's mom, who talks about not giving him up for adoption. I just felt like I, I need to man up. I need to grow up quickly and figure this thing out. Mother up. Mother up. <laughs> to Tony Award winner Kristen Chenoweth, who opens up about her childhood. Up until just very recently, past couple years, I've been speaking out a little bit more about being adopted, mainly because I was like, I never want to hurt anyone's feelings. The series is based on Gifford's book of the same name. Writing books is not my favorite thing. Uh, I'd much rather write a, a musical or a, just a, a country song or a gospel song or direct a film. But but God has been using my books powerfully. And so I always listen to, OK, his voice, you know, well, maybe, Lord, if that's what you want me to do next. The premise of this book was suggested by her literary agent. And it was during COVID, so, you know, I wasn't uh, as busy doing the in, in-person kinds of things that I do. So um, he said, Kathy, all of these other books that we've done together, my favorite parts in them is when you share your faith with people like Kevin Costner or uh, um, Craig Ferguson or Al Pacino or, you know, th- these people that are in your life just naturally because that's the world I'm from. He said, I find those those in- those conversations fascinating. Now, the man who was telling me this is very different from me. He is man. He is gay. He is Asian and was raised Buddhist. <laughs> so he's not somebody that that uh, you would think is my doppelganger, mm-hmm. you know. But I love this guy. He's fantastic. And uh, he said, I would, would you consider writing a whole book on with interviewing people that are your Scientologist friends, your agnostic friends, your, your um, maybe even atheist friends, or your Sikh and, he, and Hindu? I have friends from every walks of life. And I think that every believer in Jesus should have friends from every walk in life because Jesus did. Mm-hmm. He he didn't just hang out with the people who looked exactly like him and sounded like him and worshipped like him. He went into everybody's world and saw right into their hearts and loved them. And if we as followers of Jesus would do that with our own lives, the world would not look like it looks today. So many believers in uh, of, of different religions just judge other people because they're different. And Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. He didn't say love people that look just like you and worship just like you. He said, love your enemies. He said radical things that the world had never heard before. 
And what he said to me the other day was was quite profound. And I don't know where I'm going to use it yet, but I've I think it's going to be in a song with my friends, um, Lewis York, who are featured in this special. I write with these guys a lot and, and they're just they're they're so spirit filled and spirit led and spirit talented. And um, so the Lord gave me this and I hope it blesses people. He said, Kathy, when you meet someone, love them and then keep loving them until you no longer recognize them as the person you met. Wow. Because they will be so transformed by the way you have loved them in my name. There's no more wow. powerful thing in the world than love. And I'm still, you can tell, processing what a message that was. You know, and, and that's what I wake up in the morning and pray for. And I fail miserably at it every day, Lisa. I just do. I wish I could love the way Jesus loves everyone. Uh, the older I get and the longer I walk with him and learn about him, the deeper my love is for him. Therefore, it, it, it does spread to more people. It radiates from us. When we truly, truly love Jesus and walk in his footsteps, he never left anybody he met the same. And so all these people that you'll meet uh, in my book, 25 of them are completely different, just the way God made them. And five of them are uh, my guests on this uh, special called The Jesus I Know. Yeah, the Fox Nation series really does dive a little more to some of the conversations from the book, um, just to give people a sense of the range, singer and actress Christian Chenoweth, but country star Jimmy Wayne. Yes. You've got Fox's own Janice Dean mm -hmm. and um, Justin Bieber's mom. Patty Millette, yes. <laughs> so I'm wondering is, is... And my friends aforementioned Lewis York. Yes. Mm -hmm. Is faith or sometimes the bumpy road to faith or or with faith or through it, um, is that the common denominator here? I think the word I would use is the common denominator is journey. Every one of us are on a journey, but our journeys are different. The roads we travel are different. And that's not random. In the Jewish tradition and in the Hebrew language, there is no word for coincidence. That's because the Jews believe, and I am Jewish, and I am a Jewish follower of Jesus, um, Messianic, what they call Christians, uh, because the, Jew, the Christian faith came from the Jewish faith, and we are not separate. We began as one, and many of us continue the one love story of, of God for his people. But anyway, in the Hebrew, there's no word for um, for coincidence, because God is either sovereign in all things, or he's not God at all. So nothing is random. Nothing is coincidence. You know, there is no such thing as luck. If God is truly sees us all and is in all things, even the tragedies that happen, he didn't cause them, but he is there in them. And he is our way out of them as well. Then, then, then you'll never say, I'll never say good luck to somebody. As long as I live, I say, bless you or go with God. But never leave God out of the equation in life, in anything you do, in any thought you have, any deed you do. And that's the challenge of being a follower of Jesus. You're clearly inspired <laughs> yeah. by your faith. Um, is that, Thank you for not using the word obnoxious, because that's what some, <laughs> a lot of people think, but that's okay. No, inspired. I mean, it radiates from you, the inspiration and the love and, and the faith, all of it. So is that what you're hoping with the Fox Nation special 
from your book? Is that what you're hoping to do for others? Is it, you know, what are you hoping people get out of it? I'm hoping that people come away from watching these uh, interviews with these amazing people. Wow, if God loves them, I wonder if he loves me too. Many of them have heartbreaking stories of of loss and damage and brokenness. And uh, most people in the world have some of that in their lives. And people lose hope and they lose faith and they they start to, to fall into despair. I'm praying that those are the people that watch this special or read this book or any of my books and find hope because God loves them and he doesn't love me any more than he loves them. He loves us all equally. And God doesn't cancel you. And God doesn't give up on you because you've made mistakes. And God doesn't say, I wish you were never born. No, God meant for you to be born. And God still has a plan for your life, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've come from. God loves you and he will never give up on you. Trust him and let him give you the life he always, always intended for you. I have to ask you this one question. It's a far cry from these deep It's called topics. a segue, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm An just, awkward one, albeit. <laughs> it's awkward. But I'm curious, do you miss doing morning TV? I don't. I don't miss it at all. I did about 35 years of it, and um, I achieved a much greater success in it than I ever dreamed I would. People said to me when I left Regis and then I left the, the Today Show, they always say, how could you leave the, your dream job? And they're just assuming that that was my dream job. It never was. It was a great job, and I was grateful for it, and I loved it while I was doing it. But it was never my dream job. How could it have been my dream job when when talk show hosts did not exist when I was growing up? They didn't. Or if they did, later, they were all men. And um, so I I wanted to be an actress and a singer from the day I was born. And I've never stopped being an actress and a singer and then a writer, and now I'm a director, and I'm an author, and I'm a, I, I, do, I do so many different things because I'm so interested in so many things. But talk show host was never on the list. God just wanted me there to use me. He wanted me there to use me because I was fearless to share my faith. And I would share a scripture on the Today Show. I would share a scripture with Regis. I would talk about, Regis would talk about, you know, get, reading his horoscope. And I would just laugh with him. I'd go, Reg, Reg, I get it. You want to know? I said, but why, why do you stop at the stars? Why do you put your faith in the stars? How about the one who made the stars? Duh. And he'd just laugh. And by saying that, I was actually quoting scripture. You know, I was actually saying, oh, look beyond. Look beyond that to what's, who created it. So I always used opportunities like that to share that there is a greater being out there. And he's not, he's, he's not just this cosmic thing that doesn't see us. He's this everlasting thing from age to age and forevermore who does see us. He's that kind of God. And he's a living God and he sees you. He is a womb to the tomb and beyond kind of God. And I've never put it that way before, but he is. He put my dreams in in me while I was in my mother's womb, where her dreams were put in her in her mother's womb. And yours, Lisa, were putting you in your mother's womb. And God has a plan for your life because he had a plan for your dreams all along before you were even born. That gives me purpose every day. A lot of people have lost purpose in their life, too where their children have left or their husband or spouse has died and they no longer feel needed. 
Well, if you're alive, you still have a pulse and you still have a purpose. And that means God needs you. He needs you to share his message of love with others. Well, anyone who wants to be uplifted or get some inspiration, uh, the Fox Nation special is streaming The Jesus I Know and, um, of course, the book as well. So, Kathy Lee Gifford, thank you so much. We appreciate your time. Thank you, Lisa. God bless you. the news now you can with instant updates from fox news for amazon alexa just say alexa play news from fox in fox news it's the latest when you need it on demand from fox news and amazon alexa rate and review the fox news rundown on apple podcasts or wherever you listen and now some good news with tanya j powers If you've been looking for a reason to enjoy a national park near you, that reason is here. National Park Week is kicking off, and to celebrate, the National Park Service says admission to the parks is free on Saturday, April 16th. Camping fees will still be charged. National Park Week runs through the 24th, and events are planned, including special programs and digital experiences. This year's National Park Week theme is Spark Connections. Spark. Get it? Spark. Park, park, spark, connection, never. The very first National Park Week happened in 1991 in celebration of the National Park Service's 75th anniversary. There are more than 400 national parks across the U.S., and while some have national park in their name, like Yosemite, Yellowstone, Big Bend, and Great Smoky Mountains, not all of them do. You can find one close to you by going to nps.gov. In New York City, home to 11 national park sites, Tanya J. Powers, Fox News. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Robert Jeffress. What's on your mind? The aesthetics of Easter are bright. We dress up in pastel-colored clothing. We search for shiny eggs full of candy. And we take pictures with life-size bunnies. But it all feels a bit trite this year when we compare this lighthearted fun with the grim reality of what is unfolding in Ukraine. The streets there are full of innocent corpses, shot down, blown up, or tortured by Russian soldiers. But the original Good Friday, more than 2,000 years ago, was also a scene of horror and devastation, much like it is in Ukraine right now. The sun grew dark at midday. Earthquakes shook the ground, splitting rocks apart and cracking tombs open as Jesus hung on a wooden cross, pierced and bleeding, crying out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm sure that many Ukrainians hiding amidst the rubble of besieged cities are asking the very same question right now. Where is God in all of this? Why won't he intervene when we need him the most? The irony is that Jesus was the answer to his own question. On the cross, God was intervening. As John 3.16 tells us, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The horrific suffering and death of the cross was not the scene of an accident. It was the accomplishment of God's mission. Easter celebrates the fact that the Son of God Himself underwent suffering in order to save us and offer us eternal life. 
For those in Ukraine, there is nothing good in what is happening to them. They are enduring evil, plain and simple. But I want to assure you that although God's answer to their prayers may not come immediately, it will come ultimately. God's answer to the horrors of Good Friday was delayed, but not canceled. The disciples endured the sorrow of Christ's death that Friday afternoon. Saturday must have felt like an eternity to them. But then that first Easter Sunday came when Christ was gloriously resurrected from the dead. Because of what happened at Easter, we can be assured that Christ will someday soon swallow up death forever and wipe away tears from all faces, as the Scripture promises. Easter is God's guarantee that evil will not triumph. As the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, if we trust in God, we will have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. May you and your family experience a glorious and hope-filled Easter. This is Robert Jeffress for Fox News. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Fox Nation presents Podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, The Wisdom of 16 Women and Their Lessons for Today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch.